Backyard Green Films is proud to present this episode of Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Alara and her husband, Rick, travel throughout the land in their travel trailer, which they have nicknamed Bessie, bringing you stories about their travels and the people they meet. They visit farmers, ranchers, and just about anyone who loves putting their hands in the dirt or their feet in stirrups. In those travels, they have gotten to meet some very interesting people. Here's one of those interviews. Hi, this is Alara. Welcome back to our podcast. We had quite a time at the FFA convention in Indianapolis, Indiana last fall. It was my very first FFA convention, so it was quite an eye-opening experience. 60,000 teenagers in one big building is something to behold, and it is not for the faint of heart. It was an education in more than one way, though, because I had no idea of the sheer variety of topics and people and ideas and inventions that we were going to be met with when we walked in the door. Not only that, but I highly doubt in my lifetime I will ever be able again to walk under a piece of mobile farm equipment that's bigger than my house. I mean, it's a small house we have, mind you, but it was a big, big, big plow. Big. Anyway, the variety of topics in this place was enough to keep us running about all weekend, happily chatting with the armed services, the educators, the nonprofits, the vendors, and, of course, the kids. We were constantly rushing from one side of the convention center to the other. But on one particular circuit, we saw a familiar name on the jacket in front of us and made a hard swerve. Californians! Now, that can be sometimes be a bit of a dirty word in places, and you often will see a mental crazy or damn in front of the California part when they think it. So, when we meet up with a fellow crazy or damn Californian, we like to stop and say hi. So, today's podcast is with two people from our home state, representing the Chowchilla FFA. For all of you who are unfamiliar with that particular town, you'll find Chowchilla is about halfway up the 99, that's the one that parallels the 5, between Bakersfield and Sacramento. Or, if you start in Monterey Bay, phase due east toward that big pile of mountains in front of you and drive until you hit the really big tree. Okay, maybe not quite that second part, but it's pretty close. In any case, Chowchilla is smack dab in the middle of California's Central Valley, our large, monstrously large growing region out here. Today, we'll speak with Mr. Brad Bitter, FFA advisor for the Chowchilla FFA, and Sydney Alexander, his student. We talk Holsteins and Jerseys, dairy judging, drought, fire, water management, show standards, DNA testing, and a partridge in a pear tree. Just kidding about the tree. But... In our quick interview, we'll hit on all of those and a few topics more, which is apt for both the varied convention experience and these very sharp people. Because, as you may have heard, we like our variety here in California. Here are Brad and Sydney from the 2021 FFA convention in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hi, we're here at FFA. Would you introduce yourselves, please? Hi, uh, my name is Brad Bitter. I'm a FFA advisor for Chowchilla FFA in California. Yay, California! <laughs> and I'm one of his students. My name is Sydney Alexander. Wonderful. Okay, now we, we uh, you, you came to mind to us immediately because of the California shirt, but also dairy cattle judging. Yes, so we are the state champions for dairy cattle evaluation for the state of California, and uh, yesterday we competed for national, national finals. So who's we? Uh, my... S- 
Sydney, uh, Zoe Bitter, uh, Logan Silvera, and uh, Rachel Mancibo are the four. And then uh, their coach, Tara Davis, is, is here as well. Now, we're really excited about the whole idea of California representation in agriculture because we don't get a lot of that. We get surf sun sailors. I know. And a little bit of military. We live in the Central here. Valley, so. Yeah, and that's <laughs> we, nothing we got to drive to find that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to drive to find ag. And actually, that's not true. San Diego has a little bit of ag as well. Yep. But dairy cattle is something that people don't necessarily associate with California. Um, in the Central Valley, dairy is a, a very big. So we have a lot of dairy, uh, actually a lot of dairies that moved up from your area when uh, your urban environment kind of encroached and kind of forced them out. So they were able to kind of cash out their farms there and move to the Central Valley. So they've been very successful when they got up here. Yeah, Petaluma so. is also one of those areas that gets Petaluma, a, little of, yes. a little bit of a problem. Yeah, so pretty much the entire San Joaquin Valley has a, a lot of dairy. So we're able to farm, uh, we're able to farm our own corn, farm our own alfalfa, so a lot of the feed prices that other uh, livestock may not have the advantage of, but uh, dairy farmers do a good job of sustaining their own their own feed source. Now a little ways up the up the corridor, you're a little less dependent on the Colorado River and a little more on the snowmelt, right? Uh, we are very dependent on the snowmelt, yes. so uh, we need more reservoirs. We need to expand our reservoir system. Um, we're running out of water. so. Uh, Groundwater is is becoming less and less available. We're going deeper and deeper to get it, but that is a challenge almost every year. Yeah, to the point where the theft is a big issue in, in water yes. in, yep. in water issues now, which is you'd never dream of. But never dreamed of it, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so now when the snowpack hits, there's a lot of people say, okay, don't you have the Sierras there? You get snowpack. Tell me about how closely you all watch the news and how much you, you know, because, because um, that's a big part of ag. You have I, to watch the conditions. If you are an agriculturist in the Central Valley, that is something that you look at weekly, at minimum. So, and like I said, uh, a lot of our drought is man-made because the water is there. We just can't contain it to be able to use it during the summer. So if we had expanded reservoir systems where we were able to hold more water in our area, we, we could be a lot better off than we are right now. Now, what many people don't know is that there's a little, every once in a while we'll hit ballot measures where they're gonna talk about mm -hmm. dividing California up into pieces because this is such a contentious issue in some, some regions. Right. So, for instance, Southern California, mostly Colorado River, Northern California has its own rain supply, but they're having issues with other things as well. Yes. They have fire issues as well. Does that impact you in your area at all? Um, air quality, for sure. So our air quality during the summer is, for the past two or three summers, has not been good. We are constantly in the red. So to the point where a lot of our sporting events at our local high schools have, have been canceled if they're outdoors. So yes, we're impacted not so much by the danger of fire where we live, but it's more the air quality issue. Yeah, we have a lot of things going on in California, but yes, good we do. that, don't we? So tell me a little bit about the dairy cattle industry. What What's the main production breed? Is it like the rest of the country and Holsteins is the it's main one? It's Holsteins, yes. Okay. But we do have a large amount of uh, Jerseys uh, north of us um, in the Hillmar area. And uh, Jersey is known as the cheese cow, so they've got the uh, a little bit higher fat content. Yep. So that's the ones that are not the fresh milk, but more uh, go into the creamery. Yes, because butterfat is the thing by which many of our products in the last 20, 30, 40 years are based. You know, yogurts and cheeses and right. things like that. Yeah, it's coming. Not just weight. Or it is weight now. I guess that's the, the It's issue. sold not by the pound. Volume. Yeah, milk sold yes. by the pound. Not just volume, it's weight. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about what you need to learn when you're judging dairy cattle. Right. So coming from California, our current contest, you judge or evaluate six uh, 
classes and then you speak onto three of those classes as to why you placed the class that way. Um, this year it was a virtual contest so we had to judge online, we didn't get to live evaluate, but we implemented a new like 50 question test. 40 of it is just general dairy knowledge anywhere internationally within the last two decades. Um, whether that's production or simple, what does your company produce and how much of it. Um, it's really general knowledge and how much do you know the industry and what you're involved in. Um, now competing at the national level, you still have that same test. You still have the same six evaluation of classes with the three oral reasons. Um, but new to us as Californians, we do a team aspect. Um, it's basically you're presenting us with a business plan. We figure out we're the consultants and then we present it back to you like, hey, this is what we saw, which is kind of wrong with your, but this is how we, I guess, suggest for you to fix it, why we suggest to you, and what the benefit's gonna be to you, but also to the overall uh, dairy industry as a whole. I see, I think that's fantastic, because it's all about the bottom line in many cases. Exactly. So right. this is a really important portion of our agricultural education now. Yeah. Right, so the national level, I really, I really liked it. It's a different aspect. I love the component of the team the team scenario, because usually dairy judging, you have the team, but you're not allowed to associate with the team. You can't talk to each other. You can't, hey, you can't talk to one another, like, what did you do? What did I do? And then go from there. Whereas the team scenario, you get to work together. You get to create this business plan. And creating a business plan is something you need to know for life. Stepping out of high school, it's now I know how to do it. I know how to take issues. I know how to turn it around and make it better for you and myself and the industry as a whole. So I really like that component. I was super excited about it, and here we are. So now I'm going to ask you what I would consider to be maybe a delicate question in some okay. areas, but it's one that I think is important. Um, there has been a, a tendency over the last, I don't know, 50 years or so, to have the show drive the breeding characteristics that we seek. And so if we're breeding for trait, the, you, you know, you can, you can look for many different traits when you're judging. I kind of think that there's room for everything in, in a way, but we have a sort of a cottage industry that's grown up in our, whether it be cattle or horses or sheep or, or you, goats or you name it, mm -hmm. in that the show circuit is driving the characteristics that we're selecting for our animals that are traditionally production animals. How do you as an ag teacher that's training people to be judges, how do you encourage them to keep both of those things in mind? So um, one of the things, uh, our team scenario this year was on genetics and reproduction. So this flows right into that. Um, when we look at cattle as a judge, we are basically just judging one aspect of genomics, and that is type. So we can look at the style, we can look at the, the frame, we can look at the udder, we can look at a lot of different things that are measurable. But bottom line, when it comes down to cattle, it's the production records. So what genomics allows us to do is it allows us to predict with a 70% efficiency what those production records may be on a brand new calf. And that's where it gets exciting because when that calf gets to about six months of age, we can start harvesting eggs from her before she's ever even um, put out a drop of milk. So in her offspring will become the future of that, um, maybe that herd, um, the industry in itself. So genomics, uh, which is basically they take a little pencil prick out of an ear that, that genetics is, is analyzed and we can pretty much predict very high efficiency, like I said, 70%, what that cow is going to be able to do in two years when she has her first baby and starts to milk. 
But when you pull that cow into a show ring, that's not necessarily going to show. Do you think not that's something necessarily. that should Like be? I said, uh, genomics, when we uh, look at genomics, they're looking at probably 10 to 12 different indicators. Uh, style and type is only two. So, and that's the show aspect. So, it is the show is, is very limited in what we actually do in industry. So, it, but it's a part of it. And, but, and yet it's such a such an important part to some people because yes. it becomes very, yeah, I mean, there's big money in the show. Yes. That's where your dollars and come in. If you're going on and you're showing two-year-old cows and three-year-old cows, now you also have the benefit of not only being able to see the style and type, but you have production records that come with it. So, and those are the cows that get really pricey very quickly are the ones that have both. Yeah. So, so would you recommend more uh, genetic information be collected for, for, for your students in the future? Would you say, we really want that in breeding and in trait selection and in our show ring? Or yes. would you say, no, that's not necessary, it's a different thing? I think it needs to incorporate more. The more knowledge you have about what that cow is actually able to do, not in the show ring, is, is going to be as more and more important than what she looks like in the show ring. So when you save your material, do you do do you send any into the Germ Plaza facility in uh, Fort Collins, or do you tell do you teach your students about the options that are out there for prior preservation of of uh, genetic material at all? Is that something you get into? I not really no. Because um, that's a fascinating thing to me. Yeah. It's basically a library of information. Exactly. It's all the breeding stock that for people that have submitted their information. Right. Yeah. So um, I know dairy. The dairy industry has done a great job of having that computerized base. It is nationwide. So um, anybody that is subscribed to that system can see the top cows on any one on any one ranch, any one dairy. Yeah, genetics so. of the future. Absolutely. No matter which way you look at it, we we are there, whether we yes. like it or not. Well, thank you so much. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>